revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Good morning. Welcome to Medicine on Call. There's an article in the New York Times that came out on April 7th called The Disappearing Doctor, How Mega Mergers Are Changing the Business of Medical Care. And I think it's one of the, uh, probably one of the most important articles about what's going on now with our healthcare system that's out there. And it's been, we've talked about this before, the corporatization of our healthcare system and how the how big business, Wall Street, um, everybody seems to be getting in on the healthcare market. And the fact that it's not making anything really cheaper or better, although it seems to be more convenient. I don't know if you need to say this, but the, you know, let me see, there's a couple of things out there. Uh, CVS and Aetna, I believe, and, and Humana and possibly Walmart joining up as a major, you know, to join together to capture part of the healthcare market. And I'm not sure if I think this, this seems to me to be a restriction of trade for doctors, technically, and probably, you know, it must, I think it's called now, but imagine the conflict of interest of having an insurance company and a big pharma um, or I should say, uh, a, a, um, oh my gosh, a pharmacy chain in bed with each other. There seems to be, to be a conflict of interest because all you have to do is, you know, becomes a prescription mill. And for a doctor, you know, this dark law was designed to keep doctors from self-referring. I don't understand why that wouldn't be the same thing in this instance. And, you know, if these things go through, this would change the nature of healthcare again, and not for the betterment of the patient. Um, did you know that those murders were on the horizon? No, no. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're just surrounded um, by yeah. corruption. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I don't, have you ever been to one of these minute clinics? No. <laughs> Uh, other than other than uh, you know uh, going into a, a Kroger's by their pharmacy, that's as close as I've gotten. Yeah, this is it's a business model. Even the hospitals, the hospital systems, not only have they purchased, I think they're now up to like forty-three percent of primary care practices. That has been pressure on raising the cost of healthcare. Now imagine the, uh, the other pressure of primary care where you have Walmart and CVS now being a funnel again to various primary care groups that are basically handpicked by a system. So we've got a centralization, corporatization um, monopoly, if you want to put it that way, that's going to put more pressure on independent practices and to get them out of the game. They don't want any competition, and they want to be the only game in town, so we're going to have these little fiefdoms, but they're all the same, and none of them really decrease the cost of healthcare. Where the price of convenience, and the people can do telemedicine, they can walk into a minute clinic to get diagnosed, but I've been on the other side of it, where people go to these clinics, and they get the same cookie-cutter treatment, and they're not better, and they end up in my office with the infection still roaring, weeks on end, you can't culture them because you can put on an antibiotic and it's still not gone. So you're actually causing them to need treatment or to be treated longer. And it actually becomes more expensive for the patient for the price of convenience. Maybe these are viral infections, a lot of these things, and they end up, end up on an antibiotic. You know, all the things that go on with capturing the healthcare dollar, they want to get the healthcare dollar as soon as possible, they want to capture it. So not only do you go to these clinics, then they refer you out to their pharmacy, 
then I guess you buy things. That's how they really make their money, technically, is for you to buy other things within the pharmacy. And it's a capture, one-stop shop. But again, I don't think it's better. I mean, they're not doctors staffing these um, facilities, and that's the other thing. Disappearing doctors means something. You know, when we had a guest on a couple weeks ago that talked about the time it takes to train to be a physician, 17,000 hours is a lot of time and a lot of expertise. That is gone in this system. You know, these are company employees, mostly staffed by nurses and I think physician assistants in some instances, and they become the front line of care without a pipeline to send you or refer you to a specialist or to a primary care doctor or, or basically have a, a relationship. That's the thing about being a physician, which I think people really lose sight of, is actually a partnership and a relationship with a patient. I mean, I'm seeing patients who are sending their children back to me now, or they've seen me years ago, and they're coming back, and that doesn't exist in this type of system. And knowing the patient, not just the, you know, making a prescription based on a five-minute or ten-minute visit, that's a huge difference in quality of care and continuity of care. I mean, people take that for granted, and it's, it's unfortunate because I think it's going to eventually change the healthcare system, and I don't think it's going to be able to, to come back from this. I don't either. I think we're ruining it, uh, and I think government's ruining it, and as you say, follow the money is ruining it, and uh, we're going to have a, a one-payer system in spite of ourselves. Yeah, it's kind of looking that way, de facto. You know, it's not it's not on the books, but it's working, it's moving in that direction. Uh, you know, there's a law in California, well, I think it's a proposal at this point, where they want to, you know, mandate the, the cost of health care delivery in that state. That is single-payer. That was always my fear, that they would tell you, and that's part of Obamacare, actually. At some point, when it, as it rolled out, and I'm not sure it doesn't still exist, frankly, the government was going to be able to decide how much it should pay, how much it should cost for a surgeon, how much surgeons could charge, and by definition, how much any physician can charge for, for, for health care. That is completely ridiculous. Nobody knows what the cost of something is in somebody's office. It doesn't take into, into, uh, into um, the, the mindset of how much it costs to run a business, the cost of supplies, the cost of employees. That's irrelevant in this system. It's what they say you're worth. And we're seeing an absolute brain drain. You know, I was listening to one of my colleagues' videos. Doctors are now the number one professional who commits suicide in the entire country. Oh yeah, of think, all professions. Yeah, they were talking about that on um, uh, doctors uh, in the doctors' lounge. Uh, Four hundred last year committed yeah. suicide. and that's not even taking into account the medical students who are also committing suicide. But you know, after being up in D.C. and having a conversation with one of the legislative aides and him telling me that you don't want to talk about how it's affecting you as a physician. They don't care. They think that that's a good thing and that they're on the right track. That is the, the level of uh, disdain that the legislative body has for physicians. Hopefully they never get sick and they have to enter the system, which of course, you know, they don't because they you know, legislated themselves out of Obamacare, for example. They have a different standard of care, so they don't care. But you get what you pay for. And if anything is looking like the Medicaid and Medicare system, everybody should be, if that's what they're trying to lower our standards to, we're in trouble as doctors and patients because once you leave the system, once you leave the commercial based system or the, or the free market care, the independent market care system, it's a completely different ballgame. Someone's telling you what your value is as a patient and as a doctor. And that's the fact. You're not going to pay for, you know, with routine things that they don't think is worth it because you're too old or your quality of life, in their opinion, is not worth spending money on. 
You're going to do it to the seniors, and the next thing is it'll be the young people. And anybody who's working age would be the only person that gets major health benefits or, or treatment. And we already know that because it's been said. Google Complete Live System, that's the template for the Affordable Care Act from um, Rahm Emanuel's brother, Ezekiel Emanuel. That's what they think. This is about rationing services. And once you get everybody into this mindset of it has to be now, it needs to be cheap, then you're getting them off the mindset of, I, I deserve the standard of care, I deserve better. It's all going to be about conveyor belts, get you in, get you out, and educate you to, to believe that you should like getting less and that you're not worthy. I mean, it's just a mess, ultimately. And this is not just healthcare, it's the entire system. I can't even believe we're having this conversation. It's just crazy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's sick. Sick, sick, and sicker. They're really smart about it, though. i got to give them credit because they've managed to pervade the healthcare system with, uh, with a third-party mindset and really making people or educating or brainwashing people to believe that if they don't have health insurance, that they don't have health care or they won't have health care. And they're locking people into a more, the most expensive aspects of our healthcare system. You're paying more with your insurance card for everything in the healthcare system. More for physician care, more for pharmaceuticals, more for hospital care, more for laboratory services. Everything is more expensive if you use your insurance card than if you go out and start asking, calling up people and asking them, how much does it cost if I pay out of pocket? That's the question everybody needs to be asking. Whatever health policy or health plan or health delivery system they need to go into, you can start asking people that. And you'd be amazed how much cheaper it is if you don't use your insurance card. I understand using it for big ticket items, you're hospitalized, etc. But I would still ask questions about that. But for a routine care, I mean, the stories that you hear, and I know we have to take a break, and so let's take a break now, and I'll pick up on that story when we come back. Well, um, thank you for listening to that. Paul will be right back. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. You know, before the break, you know, I was trying to really get people to understand that the system is not it's not based on actual cost of healthcare. It shouldn't cost you a fraction for the same service if you pull your money out of your own pocket versus the insurance. Now, the story that I wanted to tell was, of, I, mean, I was at a conference this past weekend, and they were talking about patients who have high deductible plans and the fact that they really have the most incentive to look around and to shop and become healthcare consumers. But one of the patients was went to have a procedure done, or I think it was, oh, I think it was a lab or something. But the patient was told that it's what the cash amount was, which was less, and the insured amount. They were given an option, and the patient said, "Well, I want to use my insurance because I'm paying for it." Now, mind you, it was more money out of pocket because, of course, it's a high deductible plan. So they wanted to pay almost double what it would cost for the service and use their insurance card because their mindset was, I pay all this premium and I want to get my money's worth <laughs> and I want to, you know, have my deductible counted down. So I'm going to pay more for this, for this service. This is the level of mind control out there. Why would you pay double when you can pay half as much? If your deductible is $10,000, why are you working towards that? You know, why are you paying down on that when you can actually pay for health care and get a, a discount? Or actually, I should say, the real cost of the procedure as a pay, opposed to the inflated cost that your insurance is encouraging. And when the mindset of somebody else is paying for it comes into play, I think 
it does a disservice to the patient. The hospitals are in a position of charging. I mean, just think about the mindset of everybody here. They all stand again if the cost of healthcare is inflated because it makes people really believe that it's so unaffordable. I need help paying for it. It's just a tragedy, honestly. The insurance company gains because it tells you that you're going to have a $40,000 operation so you need my services, you need to buy my product because I'm going to help you pay for it. But in actuality, that sometimes, and as more often happening, is not happening. Because when you actually go to get the service, they tell you it's not medically necessary. They delay payment to the physician or the hospital. They um, tell you that you're deductible and it's on, you're on the hook to pay most of it. You name it, they've come up with some sort of angle to deny you or delay your, your um your payment, which is really maddening for the patient. So they're in on this. The hospitals are in on this because their charge master is outrageous. I mean, it shouldn't cost you, they shouldn't really be able to charge you for every single thing that goes on in there and for things that don't. So they're charging you for every aspirin, every bedpan, every person that walks into your room, whether or not you've called, oh, you need that consult, it's actually being charged to you. People poke their head in your room, that's considered a visit, and they'll charge you for that. So you really have to be in your T's and Q's if you ever get admitted to a hospital to get the itemized bill, look at every single thing on there, and if you don't remember it, you don't remember seeing that person, you don't remember taking that medication, you don't remember going for that physical therapy, you know, anything, you have to argue that, and they will take it off your bill. You know, this is about truth in billing, honestly. So they stand again because they can with a system where it's going to be paid by the insurance company so they can, you know, raise it 10 times what the actual value is. They can charge a facility fee, which is on top of the medication and the service. That just means you're being, you have to pay for use of the equipment, use of the CT scan use of the EKG machine, use of the laboratory equipment to run a blood work. You're paying for that in addition to the interpretation. <laughs> I mean, it's like double billing. So they're in on it, and it makes sense for them to keep the prices as high as they can because somebody's going to pay it. So the insurance company may pay the hospital, and they do pay the hospitals more than they pay the physician. It's not the doctor making money in this instance. It's the hospital. And they're so good now about how they've cornered the market for being the only game in town. It's incredible. They've gotten taken the outpatient surgery centers out of the equation. They've managed to carve out a payment scale that's higher for the hospital than it is for the independent outpatient surgery center. So they might get, I'm not just estimating now, five, ten times more for the same procedure that's done in the hospital versus the outpatient surgery center. What that's managed to do is put outpatient surgery centers out of business or they've been purchased by hospitals and then they're actually, um, you know, they're giving two fist payments. You know, they're giving people who go to the outpatient surgery center and into the inpatient side and basically it's costing the patient more money. So it's this concerted removal of the competition. First, the physicians by buying out their practices. Uh, second, and, and having them become satellite centers. The second piece now it was the removal of the outpatient, outpatient surgery centers. Here in Atlanta, we had a couple of outpatient radiology centers. I'm sorry, yeah, radiology centers. Now we're down to one, essentially, because the hospitals have, you know, bought out the competition, and as soon as that happens, the price goes up. So that's their, their second leg. Now I think the third leg is these, these urgent cares, these uh, walk-in clinics. And what they, they've managed to do is to open up their, their um, facilities right across the street or next door to independent urgent cares. They have no, no shame, no conscience at all. They're about putting everybody out of business making sure that they're the only game in town. And when that happens, the price goes up. And it's like, it's just, it's an amazing model. Nobody's stopping them. 
and now if they get in bed with the insurance companies and corner the market that way. So imagine this, it's all about self-referral. You have a particular insurance company, you have to use their recommended, or maybe their in-network um, pharmacy. And if you, use, if you don't use that, they won't be covered. You can imagine all sorts of things they'll do to affect your behavior, so that you're staying in their system. And everybody's getting paid in this ring. This is just, it would be totally unacceptable on the, on the medical side, on the, on the doctor's side. You can't even have a, a urology center or an ENT group where you have equipment for running labs or having a, a surgery center. I mean, that's really frowned upon. It's really hard to keep your services in-house because it's considered to be self-referral, stark law. It doesn't seem to exist in this instance. And it sounds good in theory, but in practice, it's not going to work that way. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. As soon as they get rid of the competition, they become the only game in town. It sounds like a broken record. And then they have you. I think that's uh, I think there's a word for it called monopoly. It is. And you don't want your healthcare system to have a monopoly, trust me. No. <laughs> I mean, you're still waiting for as just longer for your visit. It becomes more like a clinic. They're all associated with the through the accountable care organization, so they're all linked to each other, doing the same thing. But you know, somehow it's not better. I've had to refer patients into the hospital because it's something that, as an independent physician, I don't offer, or it's something that is complicated, and they have to see a specialist, not ENT, but another specialist. They don't, they don't help you at all. You can barely get them in for an appointment. You have to call a call center, they never give you any information back after you sent the patient. It's not really a well-run system. Once you put your patient in that system, you've lost them. You have no idea what's going on. You have no control. And there's no, no communication. It's very difficult. And it goes for the hospital, radiology, and, and lab services as well. So I don't find, as an independent doctor, that system helpful. It's not patient-friendly or referral physician-friendly. It's just a big mess. I mean, the fact that you can charge $500 for an office visit because you, because that's the hospital pay scale. But you didn't do anything to the patient. You didn't order tests. It's just a visit. And that's a, maybe a $150 visit or a $90 visit as an independent doctor. Patients really need to understand if you get what you pay for, you're not getting what you pay for in this instance. You're paying for the privilege of somebody denying you care and somebody getting you in and getting you out and not being accessible. You know, I have friends who are in the healthcare system right now who can barely reach their doctor. You know, they're talking to the, the nurse's aide or the, the doctor's nurse, but they're not able to actually get access to the physician because they're so busy. That's not a system that works, in my opinion. You know, you know it's, it's all about being able to communicate when you need to. It's too bad that everybody isn't as old as I am. I can remember a very good system um, where you had uh, doctors had privileges, almost whether they had privileges or not, hospital privileges. And... Um, it wasn't anything to uh, go to a hospital to visit a friend, and you'd see your doctor. You'd see, you know, it would just, the system worked back in the 50s and early 60s. And I would. Pardon me? And it was a lot cheaper, too, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, you didn't have the. Well, you know, the insurance companies pull the wool over all of our eyes, and uh, they came in selling the philosophy, well, you buy my insurance and you won't have to pay for, for your doctor's care, your medical care, or your hospital mm -hmm. care. We'll just take care of all of it. And um, we've learned that that isn't true, and you pay, pay uh, exorbitant um, fees up front, uh, you pay your whatever they charge you uh, 
you know, one way or the other. And they, and then they've started playing games with the doctors and forcing the doctors to do so. It, it, if you want to point a finger at time, I would say probably back in the mid-60s and then into the 70s and 80s that the insurance companies, basically they just lied to get get our business, and they got it. Yeah, it's like a, a recreational hotel. <laughs> got mm-hmm. in and you just can't get out. Yeah. Or at least that's what they want you to think. You know, this, there's options out there. We talk about this on the show every week practically mm-hmm. there's options you don't have to be locked into the system let's take a break and let's talk about some legislation that could be passed and how we could actually impact these, some changes in the system that's really working against us uh, let's take a break you're listening to Medicine on Call health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. You know, we really know that this is a system that is trying to funnel you into a pathway of um, an administrative, administrative-based system, a third-party system. Whether you have a commercial insurance or whether you have Medicare, um, you really don't have a lot of control or they don't want you to have a lot of control over your, over your dollar, over your healthcare dollar. I think we talked about this before. I'm not sure people remember this, but if you have Medicare, you have to, um, you can't decline Part A. Um, because if you do that, I think that's the hospitalization side. You you have to forego your Social Security benefits as well, which doesn't make sense to me at all. You don't think that the, the government would be happy if somebody decided to take that money and use it or pay for it themselves. Go direct primary care. Um, go to a you know super service or independent based doctor and pay money that way, as opposed to using the government. I would think that they would appreciate that since they're paying out less money. But that's not what they want. They really want to coerce you to buy a product that you don't want. That's the whole thing of Obamacare. It's like expanding the Medicare mindset, government-based Medicaid mi- mi- Medicare mindset to the entire medical insurance industry and applying that to private insurance. It's ridiculous. I mean, if we would change that, I think it's called, um, it's called, I think it's called the Retirement Freedom Act and Medicare Patient Empowerment Act. These are both things that are sitting out there in legislation in, on the, on the, I guess, launching pad, which really should be passed to free people from a system that's costing everybody more money than they should have to pay and denying them care. If you're paying for your own services, you're going to be able to get your cataract surgery, your hip replacement, and be able to afford to do it. I mean, this is one step towards taking your power back, whether you're retired or not. Um, another thing that goes on is prescription drugs. I mean, we're paying, the pharmacy benefit management companies, 
there's an incentive, again, to keep the price as high as possible because that differential is a kickback. The hospitals get it back, the insurance companies get a percentage of it back, and it's everybody's interest that the price doesn't drop. There's no reason for prescription drug prices to have gone up multiple times. I think it's like tenfold. That's the average now, what they were before. And not only the new drugs, but the old ones. Ear drops, for anybody ear drops, should not cost somebody $200 or, you know, a tiny little bottle of a drop that's been around forever. Shouldn't be that way. Or asthma drugs, in our case, or allergies, nasal sprays. These are expensive, $200. They've gone from being, you know, just a $10 copay to becoming unaffordable. And nobody said anything about that. All of this Affordable Care Act legislation had nothing to do, did nothing for lowering the prescription drug cost. I'm not sure why that was never put into, the, into play. They could have started with that. Nobody would have argued that. But they don't want to. I mean, there's something called the Competitive Drugs Act, which would prohibit brand name companies from compensating generic drug companies. So basically, the, the brand name drug companies pay the generic drug companies to delay bringing their product to the market so that they can continue to have, again, a monopoly on their particular drug. It's, it shouldn't even be legal to do something like that. You know, this is the same pay-to-play that we have throughout our system. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? It's incredible, but what makes it even more incredible is how many people know about it. Not many. No, they don't. And the fact that they're literally, it's legislated in now in a way that's working against you. It's legal for this to happen. The pharmacy benefit management companies are providing kickbacks to hospitals, to uh, insurance companies. It's, a, it's what it is. You can raise the price and that discount or that differential in the actual cost and, the, and what they're charging goes back. That's a terrible thing. On top of the fact that it's putting pressure, well, now the generics have brought out, a lot of them have been sold to Big Pharma, so they own the pharmaceuticals from the brand name side, from the generic side, the vitamins, which used to be, you know, usually freestanding again. They're purchasing those companies as well. So they become the only way, the only game in town. And you really have to be an informed consumer. I, that's the only thing I can say. It, it, I can't emphasize it enough. You should question everything. And you should get second opinions on everything. And if you think that your doctor or, or the hospital that you that you go to for your health care, that it's not providing services or charging you in a way that you have question marks about, then you should ask the questions. And if you can, ask them before you have the service done. If they tell you they can't tell you what the cost is until after the service is done, then you need to take a walk. Or basically go armed. You can go online. You can go to websites, um, jointhewedge.com, aapsonline.org, um, Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and see what the cost is of various um, various services, whether they be radiology services, lab services, anytime lab is another laboratory that you can go and really find out the cost of cholesterol testing or thyroid testing, anything you think of allergy testing, and go back and tell them, I know the cost, I've gone to this website, I know I can get it for this price, can you beat it, can you meet it, that's what you should do, you know, you do it for cars, you do it for other things, why can't you do it for your health care? They want you to be an uninformed consumer, they benefit, but when you go in armed, you'll be amazed that you can actually make a deal. If you're paying cash for something, you can say, this is how much I want to pay you up front. This is how much I want to pay. Will you do it? And most times, 
they will accept that because they want to get paid as a time of service as opposed to waiting for the insurance company to get around to paying it credit. They're getting paid probably a pretty decent amount from the insurance company, but nobody turns down cash up front. Not anymore. Plus, if it's elective surgery, one should check offshore facilities that are becoming more and more popular. That's true. And then there's a company called MedRetreat.com, and it's an American-based company, so you have the benefit of being able to work with uh, an American facilitator who's gone out and literally reviewed gone out to look at the facilities, reviewed them, and it's not sending you somewhere that they don't know what's going on, period. That's what I would do. Make sure I, I use a reputable company that's American-based, that has done the legwork for me, and that, it's interesting, in that system, it's a one, one fee that covers everything. So it covers procedures, the post-op care, um, the hospitalization, as well as if you have to do stay at a hotel or whatever after for post post operative care, that's all covered. And what's interesting also about these is that if you don't have a good outcome, and this is unusual, you don't have to pay a second for the second procedure if you don't have a good outcome on the first one. That's rolled into it. Talk about quality care. That means it's in their interest to make sure that you, everything's done and you're happy by the time you leave that facility because they want it cost-effective for them to not have you come back with a complication. That's not going on in our system at all. You know, it's every time you go, you're going to pay. And even if it's not a good outcome and it happens to be the fault of the facility, they don't take that into consideration. Post-op inspection, that's covered in this type of system as opposed to the general medical system in our country. Kind of a different mindset, frankly. Totally different. Yeah, patient-centered. They talk about patient-centered, but there's, it's actually not patient-centered. It's insurance-centered, it's hospital-centered, it's government-centered. It's not patient-centered. And they, are, they just love nothing better than to have a single-payer system where you've got really no option. In the United States, in the United States, at least if you have Medicaid, Medicare, insurance, you can still go out and find an independent doctor and get care without being penalized. And they exist. That's not what's going on in Canada. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about that. There was no other option. They had to use the single-payer system or leave the country. You know, that locks people who can't afford to leave Canada into a system that's rationed either because the service isn't available or the CT scan or the equipment to run or to give you the extra treatment is not available. I mean, this is rationing. It's not you can go and next week and get whatever you want for free. It's not like that. And the people on our end who try to, uh, I guess, sell the single-payer mindset by it's a right you can get it whenever you want, and you deserve it, you're owed it. But they have no clue as to what exactly single-payer really is. And even if it existed, they wouldn't be accessing it. They'd still have private private doctors or doctors on on, uh, on their payroll. They can call up, have come to their, their house or their apartment or whatever. They're not living in the same system as we are, but they want everybody else to just have, have whatever and like it. And it's this mindset of we know what's best. It's just totally annoying. Nobody knows what it's like to be in a doctor's office except the doctor and the patient. Everybody else who's encroaching in this system, who's literally sucking the life out of it, they're like vampires. They're the ones who are really running the Well, they have the potential to run the show. But we need to be smarter than that. They can't run a show when it's an independent facility. And they're not... You know, they're not paying the doctor on staff. They're not controlling resources. That's how you have to run. That's, how, that's the mindset day that you really have to have. Do you want to be in control of your healthcare services and your choices? Or do you want a third party to be in control of it? That's, that's actually the question that people need to start asking themselves. 
And the kicker to that is that third party, they don't know you from Adam's house cat, and they probably don't care. No. That's why they have algorithms. That's why they have population-based medicine. And that's, you know, they have all these little catchphrases. Now it's called precision medicine. And that means that they're using artificial intelligence, um, population data based on your age, your sex, your race. And you're supposed to fall within those parameters for treatment options and for treatment outcomes. It's not possible to run a system that way. It doesn't work. But it allows you to be pigeonholed and to and to basically run a conveyor belt style medicine. But you're not going to be better. And if you do run it outside of those norms, those quote unquote norms, they're just going to deny you care because there's obviously something wrong with you. It's not the system, right? <laughs> You don't, you don't fall then, in the, into the uh, norm. No. And therefore, they won't pay for it or you can't access it. Then you're on your way to comfort care, which is my favorite now new um, acronym or whatever you want to call it. You know, it all sounds really nice. Hospice is now comfort care. On that note, let's take a break. We're listening to Medicine on Call. Welcome back to Medicine Call. You know, I'm not even sure, I mean, I am sure from my perspective what needs to be done. It's about us. It's about us taking our power back. I can't say it. I'd say it every week practically. But knowing that the system is not getting better, even the only good thing that's happened is the mandate has been removed, which means you're no longer on the hook to enter this system and to buy a product that is working against you. At least that's the best thing they could have done. I don't think they're going to dismantle Obamacare. I don't. It's too big. It's encroached into the system. It's made itself too big to fail. And it's changed the healthcare delivery system. None of this stuff existed 10 years ago. You didn't have Wall Street opening up minute clinics and uh, kiosks where you basically walk in and remotely get treated or remotely get examined and then they pop out a prescription. That's what they're moving towards. Like, it's cool. Telemedicine didn't exist 10 years ago, really, except for really remote areas, rural areas that didn't have access to specialists. Just think about how we've changed in the past 10 years. Having, not having to drive hundreds of miles to get medical care. Now, people living in rural areas are in a position where they have to drive for hours to get health care. They don't have hospitals anymore. They're closed. Charity hospitals basically don't exist. And we've had a consortium or consolidation of hospitals into these systems that specialize either heart or ortho or pediatrics or whatever. They've now carved out these little, you know, masses of, of, of land where they can control the beginning and end of the healthcare dollar. Now it's all about getting, getting you before you even get into the hospital, capturing that patient, allowing that, or removing choice from that patient. Once you sign that contract with that insurance company, potentially you're locked into not only their doctors, their hospitals, now their pharmacies, their outpatient surgery centers, the radiology. I mean, just think about how you're locked in a system. It's like Kaiser almost, right? Kaiser started that model. And Kaiser, in my opinion, doesn't work all that well. I've seen a lot of Kaiser patients who have been warehoused and delayed care or, you know, it's all about not seeing them because it's capitated. And mm. the pressure to not see the patient or to get you in and get you out as fast as possible is what this system actually promotes. Because if you're given a lump sum of money as a, as a system, you only make money when you don't use it. And that means you have to keep the patient at arm's length. Telemedicine is cheap. You're not using any hospital facilities, any hospital supplies. It's just a, a computer. You know, it's just a, a connection. But you get to charge that patient. The patient may think it's convenient. But I would submit that I can't do a good, as good a job if I've never met you. 
he never fully examined you. I'm seeing you for the first time for 10 or 15 minutes on a computer screen. Um, that's a problem. That's not medicine. I don't know what that is. Or somebody taking a picture of a mole or something and sending it in and you diagnosing it based on that. Do people really honestly want that? I'm not sure people actually want that type of system. Or maybe if we were able to explain to them the risks and benefits of that system, I think it would give people pause and make them think about convenience in a different way. It's convenient for the hospital system. It's convenient for the, um, the healthcare provider who's giving you the, uh, seeing you on, on the computer screen. But overall, is it best for you? Is it going to get you the diagnosis that you need in a timely manner? Are you going to be put on the right medications? Or is it going to be one size fits all? Maybe she's be getting doxycycline, that's the drug of choice now, for whatever's out there, without any attention to detail. And if you're allergic to that, then it's going to be, you know, amoxicillin. And there's just no thought about whether something is viral, whether it needs to be cultured, whether you need to just monitor the patient, have them come back in 24 hours and see how they do. None of this stuff goes on in the system. It's very generic. It's very homogenous. And it costs, we talked about why. It costs people more money. They're going to be diagnosed later. They, got, they get put on a medication they didn't need. Maybe they have a bad outcome or a side effect and it's in the ER anyway. I mean, there's all things that can happen that you can't control for. But the liability is different. There's no liability. It's not the same in this type of system. And the insurance companies aren't going to be on the hook. The pharmaceutical companies aren't really on the hook. It's really kind of crazy. It's and a- now we're seeing a decrease in doctors. So I'm just, so, I really... It's a, it's, a, it's a little tough to touch that patient the, through the television screen, isn't it? Very much so. I mean, it's <laughs> different if you've seen the patient and you've examined them and this is a ongoing, all right, you have a diabetic, you see them in your office, you do your physical examination and you're following their blood sugar mm-hmm. and you're having conversations on the phone or by telemedicine. That's a lot different than somebody calling in, I have a sore throat, I've had it for five weeks, and they give you penicillin, but it's actually a tumor. That's the difference, okay? Mm-hmm. That's when you can't. It's not, it's not apples and apples at that point. Maybe you've missed the diagnosis because maybe you didn't know to ask if they're a smoker or if they've coughed up blood. And this is all about training. You know, not having a script, but actually having a frame of reference, an actual practice where you've seen things and you've, you have experience. That cannot be um, you know, compensated for by artificial intelligence. We punch in the symptoms that you, if you didn't put them all in, you punch in what you got and you spit out a diagnosis. It's not the same. Can't be. Can't be. And, you know, like I said, I, it's too bad everybody's not my age because I can uh, remember things and, you know, the kind of medicine that I want practiced on me is not a TV camera not a video camera. I want to talk to the doctor. I want to tell the doctor how I feel. I want to be able to point to where I want he or she to touch. And, you know, it, it's it's like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do in dentistry? Uh, is a dentist going to be able to do an extraction through a video camera? Oh, they haven't reached that point yet. You know, I just think it's the whole thing. If it, you know, if you sit back and just think about it, it doesn't make sense. It's not what no, I want. It doesn't. But it doesn't. People. I mean, it's been going downhill days for so long, mm-hmm. and the pressures. I mean, nobody really resisted the pressure, the or the. The fact that you knew something was wrong, but nobody really stood up and said anything. There couldn't be any physician who really, in their, in their heart of hearts, were thinking, you know, I used to see 10 to 12 patients a day, and now I'm seeing 40. Am I able to give them the same level of care that I did when I was seeing 10 or 15? I don't think, you know, did anybody ask themselves that really in their heart of hearts and then say, I'm not doing it? 
that it's not appropriate. I can't do it. It's all about patient care, not about the pressure to remain open. If we had said that earlier, this would not have come to pass. We allowed it. We empowered the allied healthcare professional system to go to run amok and to become the, the front line of healthcare. And yep. it was in the hospital's interest to say it's all the same. If you say it's all, it's all, uh, it's language. You're a physician versus a provider. The mindset's different. Provider means anybody can provide the service. It allows that desensitization and the, and the mindset, or, or I should say, the ability to falsely advertise because the patient is left in the dark. They just know they're being seen by a, their healthcare professional provider. Now we've got this blurring of doctor. It's, I'm not sure what it means anymore. You actually have to say you're a physician now to make a difference or to educate people about being an MD versus a non-MD. They've co-opted language, what they do. Mm-hmm. And we need to take our, take our power back. It's all about power. Well, we will uh, continue this as we always do next week. With uh, and I don't, you know, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to change any between now and next week. It won't. But hopefully, people will make some changes. Go online, start looking for physicians who are independent. If you have a high deductible plan, start shopping around and maybe using your cash instead of your your insurance to pay for things. Right. Now, unless you're really hospitalized, that's the only time I think you should be using your um, your insurance. Everything else should be negotiated, and you'd be amazed how much cheaper it would be. And quite frankly, I would get out of it completely now that you don't have a mandate and go for medical cost sharing, supplemental policies like Aflac. It's just a complete different mindset. You know, to have a $5 out-of-pocket total and to supplement that with Aflac and have them pay you for days in the hospital, for procedures done, for preventative care, really cut a check the next day. Why would anybody do it the old-fashioned way? It doesn't make any sense. With that, we got to say goodbye. Thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.